0: I want to tell you about a little boy called Trevor. Now, Trevor was usually a pretty good little boy, about six, seven, that sort of age. Uh, If there was one thing that his mother found frustrating about him, it was his eating. You see, he would happily eat chips pizza and burgers and that kind of thing. He loved sweets and chocolate, but vegetables he didn't want to touch. And, um, uh, and his mother got frustrated with him, and she kept getting frustrated with him because it was just so difficult to get him to eat his vegetables. One day, uh, she was so frustrated with him that uh, she said, "'Look, I'm cross with you. You must eat your vegetables. Even God will be cross with you if you don't eat your vegetables.'" She didn't quite know why she said it. She was just frustrated at that time. Um, And she said, look, you're going to have to eat these vegetables tomorrow morning if you're not going to eat them now. And so she put them in the fridge. That night, there was an enormous thunderstorm. And, um, and knowing that her son was a little bit afraid of thunderstorms, uh, the mother woke up through it and thought, I'll just go and make sure he's all right, to discover that his bed was empty. She heard a noise from downstairs. She went downstairs, saw the kitchen light was on, um, saw him opening the kitchen door and heard him saying, all right, God, you win. What a fuss to make over a few vegetables. Vegetables. And I tell that story because I wonder if sometimes that's how we would like God's justice to be. You know, somebody does something they shouldn't be doing, maybe more serious than not eating vegetables, but somebody's not doing what they should be doing, and God acts immediately so that they know they have done the wrong thing, and they change things around. Wouldn't that be good? We saw justice straight Away. Because actually, by and large, we're a people who know when things are not fair. As somebody who used to teach teenagers in secondary school, I can vouch for the fact that teenagers have a very strong sense of what is and what is not fair. But it isn't just teenagers. Actually, that goes through life. We might vocalize it differently, but we are very aware where things do not feel like they are fair. And sometimes we can look at situations in our world and all that's going on and say, where is God's justice? Why is God not acting? It is not fair. Sometimes we resort to that phrase, which is very true, but not very welcome to hear. Life isn't always fair. We know that. But how do we reconcile a God of love and a God who cares about injustice with the fact that there are so many things that are unfair in our world? That's what we're going to explore a little bit more about today, because here is God's message, Malachi the prophet. We're told right at the beginning of the book of Malachi, an oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. The Lord is going to respond to the accusation that is brought to him that all who are evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, the Lord likes evil, he's fine with it. Or where is the God of justice? God is not around. God is not taking action. He's not there. These are the kind of accusations that are being brought by the people who do not see the big picture. What is the Lord going to say to them? Let me say a couple of things about this. First of all, he says, I will send a messenger. Verse 1, of chapter 3. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. You see, the people at the time didn't see the big picture. They didn't know Jesus was going to be born. They didn't understand that there would be Christmas. But God knew, And so here we have the foretelling, the foretelling that one day the Lord whom they are seeking will appear amongst them. He is coming, it is sure, and it is certain. In our Advent hope, we can look back and see something of the big picture, but we are also at the time where we look forward to say what will happen in the end, because we still have to deal with injustice. We still have to deal with evil, but Advent is a reminder of that Christian hope that Jesus has come and Jesus will come again. And when he comes again, all that is wrong with the world will be sorted out. For now, there may be things that happen that we look at and say, I don't get why this is happening. It makes no sense. I don't see where this fits into God's big picture. But the answer is, it does, it will, and one day we will understand. And we remind ourselves of this during Advent, as we look back to Jesus who came and look forward to Jesus who will come again. Second thing, be prepared. It talks about this in verse 2. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can endure the day of his coming? In fact, perhaps what is being said here is, rather than being so concerned about where is God, where is the God of justice, be more concerned about how you will face the God of justice because one day you will face him. And that leads on to the third thing, that God will judge. So I will come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive aliens of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord. You know, it's one of those things, and rightly, we emphasize the God of love. It's important we do that. That is his overriding characteristic. But we should not lose sight of the fact that he is also a judge as well. God cares about the fact that there is evil, that there is bad in the world. He doesn't ignore it. He will judge it. But he judges it as a loving God. But he gives some, character, some categories here of people who will be judged. These are the people who might be doing evil things, who seem to be getting away with things. So there are four things that we can talk about here. Uh, To testify against sorcerers, those who are spiritually corrupt, those who spiritually do not understand, those who are following false ways and false practices and advocating them. He talks about a moral standard. There will be judgment for adulterers. He talks about an ethical standard for perjurers, those who are lying. He talks about social justice, those who defraud laborers of their wages, those who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive aliens of justice. But do not fear me, those who act as if there is no God. He talks about that one day he will come near to judge. Uh, And this is something we remember as we come into our Advent time. We remember that, well, the Apostles' Creed says that Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. This is our faith. This is what we believe. So we need to move beyond this question of where is the God of justice? We need to think about how we will respond. You see, when we keep with the question, where is the God of justice, we are on a dangerous pathway. You know, that bridge is pretty dangerous. We're actually on a bridge that just won't help us because it won't quite meet. I think that's a Photoshop rather than an actual picture of something that happened. But you can see the bridge doesn't meet. You know, if we go along that path, where is the God of justice? We're not going to be in the right place. We need to change the question. How do we respond? Given that God is a God of perfect justice, how do we live in light of that? How do we respond? Let me give a couple of things from this passage. First of all, it says here we've had that clue already. I said we need to think about how are we prepared to meet with the God of justice? Verse 2, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. See, what does a purifier of silver do, a silversmith? Um, They will put the silver over the fire. They will not touch that silver. They will not stir it. They will not move it. They will look into it when they can see the reflection of themselves, of their face in the silver, they know that the silver is purified. Now, what a wonderful image that is for us. That actually in life, we go through many things. It may feel like we are being burned through the things that are going on in life but there's different responses to that. One of those responses is that within us, within our attitudes, in discovering who Jesus is, what God is doing, trying to see the big picture, that we are being purified, that actually we can look more like Jesus. The purification, the refiner's fire. It's not pleasant. It's not what we want. But actually, we can be refined through that process. Uh, And he talks as it goes on about what that will then mean. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be accepted to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. You see, there's this sense in which all of us need to go through the refiner's fire in order to better reflect the one who loves us. Because if not, if we are not trying to face the challenges that all of us face in life, if we're not trying to see what the big picture is, where God is in all of us, if we don't believe that there is a big picture somewhere, we become lukewarm, we become less than wholehearted, and we drift. Away, and we do not reflect our Savior. We lit our fourth candle today and said we we light this to remind us that we should shine, to reflect the light of Jesus. Uh, And actually, it's not that I don't believe in my theology, it's not that God sends bad things to happen to us, but God works through those bad things to help us become more like Him so that we can better reflect who he is. There's another thing I want to say about this as well. There's a a bit of a play on words here. Verse 1 says, See, I will send my messenger. Do you know um, the name Malachi means my messenger? So it's like this is foretelling the birth of Jesus, but there's an element as well in which Malachi is God's messenger. I will send my messenger. I will send Malachi, which means my messenger. And this play on words for me suggests something for us to understand, that actually, rather than looking around for where is the God of justice, we are, in fact, God's messengers who are commissioned to bring God's justice into the world in which we live. You see, this is part about, as we look towards Christmas, what I believe part of our response to the Christmas message is that we need to be people who seek to reflect God's justice in the way that we live. Uh, This has been done throughout the years. We could look back into history. I don't know if anyone recognizes this gentleman. William Wilberforce. Many of you will probably recognize the name. He had the goal of the abolition of slavery. In his teens, he pursued pleasures um, and he wasn't really close to God. But in eighteen eighty four, he sorry, in seventeen eighty-four, he became an evangelical Christian. And when he did that, it affected the way that he lived. And every year from 1788 onwards, he campaigned for the abolition of slavery and brought it into parliament again and again and again to be debated. He faced opposition from other MPs. He faced opposition from business people. He faced opposition from within the church. And yet he kept on and on for the cause. It wasn't until 1833, 1833, a month after his death, that the abolition of slavery was actually passed within Parliament. His life's work was for the God of justice to say, slavery is unjust, and I'm going to do all that I can to bring God's justice into the world. It was his life's work. He didn't live to see the change that it made, but he gave himself. We, looking back, can see the big picture. Thank God for people like William Wilberforce, who were willing to campaign to make a difference, to see God's justice brought in the society in which they lived This is a picture of Lord Shaftesbury. He made it his business to learn about the lot of the lower classes in England. He was shocked by what he saw. He spent 15 years fighting for the working hours of children and education. And after 15 years, things changed. He campaigned for so many things to change the society in which he lived. He understood. That God's justice is not a question when we see the things that are wrong in the world and say, where is God? Where is the God of justice? They understood, people like that, that actually it's not where is God's justice, it's my calling on my life is to share God's justice with those people that I live around to make the difference that I can because I am called to reflect the God who cares about injustice. You see, this is a totally different way of looking at it. So many people in our society, they will question things about, how can I believe in a God where there is so much that is wrong with the world, where there is so much evil in the world? The answer that as Christians, it doesn't sort everything out because there's a big picture that we don't fully see yet. But our understanding needs to be that actually we have a role to make a difference. It's not, where is the God of justice? It's, how can I reflect the God of justice in the situation that I am in to bring justice justice where there is injustice, to transform society and communities. That's who we are to be. That's what we are called to be. As we look towards Christmas and we see many things that are wrong with the world, why do we celebrate the birth of Jesus? Because he's the saviour. He's the Messiah. He is the big picture. God's answer to say, I care about all that is wrong in the world. I will make all things right. And it will come through Jesus who is born as a baby but grows into a man who gives his life for all of us who dies but for whom death could not hold him who rose again and lives with our Father in heaven and who will one day return to this broken and hurting world and make all things right. For now, we seek to reflect his love. Those of you that have been in this church for a while will hopefully know we have a series of culture statements. The last one in it talks about us being kingdom-inspired, We experience a holy discontent. What do we mean by a holy discontent? We mean that we look at the world, we see that there are things that are wrong with it and know that we cannot turn a blind eye. We have to do something about it. We experience a holy discontent that says, this is wrong, this is not God's justice, I need to do something about it. We experience a holy discontent that leads us to work towards kingdom values. This includes supporting Christian missionaries locally and worldwide, confronting evil, challenging injustice, and valuing the whole of creation. This is something that we believe as a church is important. And you will see it if you look at the things the church is involved in. We are a food bank distribution center. We support and are very involved in St. Mary's Contact Center, a place where broken families, the non-resident parent, can still meet up with their child where otherwise it might not be possible. You can look at it over evenings in winter, three evenings a week when this church building is open so that the homeless have somewhere to sleep rather than be on the streets. We care about justice. Uh, And the question that I just want to leave us with this morning is simply this. As we look towards Christmas, how do we respond? What are we doing? Are the things that maybe God will draw our attention to place on our hearts that we should do something about to bring justice into our world, to reflect him in that way? Let me make just one possible suggestion, and it may not be this for all of us, it may be only one or two that this is relevant for, but it it struck me with the election last week, and I I see so many different reactions that people have had to the election results. But actually, when a government has a sizable overall majority, it becomes the work of people like you and me to stand up and make our voice heard, where we see things that we say, actually, we don't believe this is right. We believe the poor are being ignored here. We believe that there is an injustice over here. Whichever government it is, of any persuasion, we have a role. We can campaign and make a difference. And we may think, well, what is my one voice? But if we all speak up, just imagine if all the Christians in this country spoke up about things like that. Millions of people would be writing, campaigning for change to society. We've seen the difference that a William Wilberforce or a Lord Shaftesbury can make. Imagine what the church can do when it stands together and says, we understand what God's justice is in this situation, and we're going to stand up for it. We're going to campaign for it. We're going to see change happening. And the challenges for us, because I know what I can be like, is that actually I believe that to be true. But sometimes in the busyness of our day-to-day weeks, these kind of things get pushed to the back If I've got time, I'll do something about that. And so really, as much as anything, I'm speaking to myself this morning and saying actually as somebody who believes passionately that God is just, as somebody who doesn't always see the big picture of what God is doing but trusts that there is a big picture, as somebody who recognizes that in the busyness of my week I can lose sight of some of the things that are really important. As I look towards Christmas, I want to say again, maybe I can have the eyes of God that enable me to see the world as He sees it, to see the places where I go as God sees it, to see where injustices are, and not to just carry on and walk by, but to do something about it. Maybe that's a call for others this Christmas time as well. Is God calling you to do something about any injustice that you see? Amen. Let's take a moment of quiet to reflect. And perhaps as our culture statement about Kingdom Inspired says, Maybe for some of us, we need to pray that actually we will have a holy discontent sometime. That we might have those eyes that see things that are wrong and not to just walk by and say, well, there's nothing I can do about that, but to have that discontent that says, I can do something. Maybe for others of us, we have a particular passion for things, but actually over time, that passion has waned, has wavered because of just busyness, and we've got distracted. Maybe today God is prompting. There may be others who are struggling because you really don't see God's big picture right now. And actually, when we don't see God's picture, it can leave us feeling confused, frustrated, disappointed, doubting. Maybe that's something you need to bring to him today. Wherever we are, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe God wants to speak to us and put something on our heart. There may be people here today who have just wondered, is there a big picture at all? Or is this all there is? Is there really any God? And maybe just in these moments, In the stillness, God will do something, maybe just a slight warming of your heart, a peace, a conviction, something to say, maybe there is a God out there. Maybe there is.